0: sponsored by, by drinks, but it was the only thing I could grab out of my fridge this morning. But if they're listening, I'm open to a sponsorship. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. Um, have you seen these um, these shows like on HGTV and other things about tiny homes? Have you seen these? Like, these are remarkable, right? And, and on one moment, you're like, it's not bad. We'd get rid of a lot of stuff, and it'd be kind of cool, and it's, and it's mobile. And on the other hand, you're like, that is a really tiny space right there. But it's always interesting to me. I think it's, I think it's a fascinating concept. I'm not sure if, if it's a concept I could do maybe, maybe one day. But there are some homes that are really unique that I think maybe I would be open to living in. Maybe, maybe you would too, so I've got a few pictures. Uh, the first one, look at this home right up here. Now, that's a pretty interesting home. If, if you look at it differently, sadly, it looks like a toilet, okay? <laughs> now, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but that would be a very interesting home. If somebody says, where do you live? Just look for the toilet. You'll find me there. Um, or maybe you can do this one. If you like to travel, how about a plane, right? That's a cool home. If you love to sit in tiny cramped seats and not get any food and pay a lot of money, this is your home, right here. So, I mean, you clearly know. How about this one? If you're like me, it's kind of like a sp- like, that would be really cool to live in like a spaceship, because I'm a little spacey to begin with, so I really think that would be cool. Probably my favorite one would be the next one, which would be a soccer ball, right? I mean, that's awesome. That's your home. That's, that's a football. So I think that would be awesome. That is somebody's home. And, and then how about the last one? This is the really tough, manly one. I live in the truck. No, you can't miss my house. It's a truck. And like these are really unique homes and maybe you look at them and say, man, I, I, I couldn't live in something that crazy or maybe that seems a little appealing at this point. But one thing we could agree on is you know what those houses are all about. They are clearly defined. Nobody can mistake what those homes are all about. And do you know that scripture calls us to do the same thing with our homes? Our homes need to be clearly defined. It needs to be clear to everybody what our homes are all about. See, if we want to be a game changer, that also begins with making sure that our homes are clearly defined. So we've been going through Matthew's gospel. We're going to start to transition now into Mark's gospel as we understand what it means to be a game changer for the kingdom of God. Now, we're going to look at Mark chapter 2, or Mark chapter 1. So I want you just to kind of uh, open up your Bibles, and I want to give you a little bit of context here. Um, Jesus has been baptized in the Jordan River the holy spirit has come down the father from heaven says this is my son whom i am proud immediately jesus goes into the desert for forty days where he is tempted by satan which he does not give in and then he comes out of that and we see that he's walking along uh, the water there and he sees two brothers simon and andrew simon who later become peter simon and andrew and he says guys follow me and i'll make you fishers of men immediately then jesus goes to the synagogue kinda like the church and begins teaching with such great authority. Authority like nobody had ever heard that. Who is this guy? He's coming in, he's teaching with authority. There is even a man who is demon-possessed that Jesus heals. So already some game-changing things happening. Jesus coming in, preaching with authority, healing a man. And this is where we pick up our text here in Mark 1, starting at verse 29. It says this. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Now, a couple things to, to understand, that we begin by noticing that Jesus, after he leaves the synagogue, goes right to Simon and Andrew's house, which would have been a little different because after, a uh, not a pastor, after a rabbi would give a lesson, he would do what all of us do, right? He would go out to lunch. He would go home and take a nap. That was kind of the common thing, you know, that a teacher would teach, he'd be tired, he'd be exhausted, so he'd say, we're going to go home and we're going to have the post Sabbath meal. We're going to go home and we're going to rest. So... For Jesus not to do that already, this is a little different. And so now he's going over to Simon and Andrew's home. Now, what you have to understand is it was not uncommon for siblings to live together, for siblings to get married and live together, or siblings and their parents to live together. That was the culture back then. Everybody didn't get their own house. People shared a home. So it was odd that Jesus was going over there. And there's a couple of things that we can learn from this. Number one, even though Simon and Andrew had only been with Jesus a short time, they clearly felt comfortable to go to him with whatever problem they had. Simon's mother-in-law was ill. So we know this, first of all, Simon was married. We don't know if his wife was alive at this time, but there's nothing to tell us she was or was not. But Simon was married. And we know that Simon and Andrew felt comfortable enough because they had seen the miracles that Jesus had done. They had heard of his divine authority and the way that he preached in the synagogue. That they said, you know what, there's something different about who Jesus is. That I'm going to go to him with whatever problem I had. And right now the problem was that their mother-in-law was ill. See, one of the first steps in being a game changer is recognizing that I need to go to Jesus with my problems. But how often do we say, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. Jesus is usually the last one that we go to instead of the first person that we go to. So Simon and Andrew said, we're going to go and say, Jesus, I need you to come to my house. My mother-in-law is ill. The second thing that we see that Simon and Andrew do before Jesus can come to the house, before Jesus can heal, before Jesus can heal anybody else in the community, Simon and Andrew had to do something so important that we often think we've done it, but we don't do it. Simon and Andrew invited Jesus into their home. That may seem like an obvious thing, but it's not as obvious as you would think. They invited Jesus into their home, which means they invited the divine authority of Jesus into their home. They were saying, Jesus, your authority is greater in my home than my authority in my home. So we have to ask ourselves, have we invited Jesus? Jesus into our home and his authority into our home, his authority over our marriage, over our parenting, over our finances, over our kids, our grandkids, even how we use our home. Have we truly invited Jesus into our home? See, sometimes what happens is we don't invite Jesus into our home. We invent Jesus in our home. And let me explain that. When I was young, I had a great-grandmother. And I was often taken to my great-grandmother's house to stay. My great-grandmother had statues of Mary in every room. She had crosses and crucifixes in every room. She had pictures of Jesus in every room. And so if you'd walk in that house, you'd say, wow, she must be a real follower of Jesus because her entire home has artifacts and things all over it. No matter where you go, you walked in a room, you always did this. But sadly, my great-grandmother never invited Jesus into her home, never invited his divine authority into her heart and into her life. She just invented a space that made her feel like, oh, I'm a believer. And we sometimes do the same thing. How many times do we have scripture verses in our house that we put on the walls but we never live out? How many times do we have crosses all over our house or or different things or we have bracelets or bumper stickers or listen to Christian music, but have we invited the divine authority of God into our house? Sometimes we think we have, but have we? See, if we want to be a game changer, we have to say, Jesus, I want you in my home because your authority in my home is greater than my authority. But sometimes we treat our homes like our castles where we're the king and queen. Game changers say, I want to invite the divine authority of Jesus Christ to be in my home, to run my home, to be throughout my home. That's what Simon and Andrew did. They recognized the defined authority of Jesus and said, please come into my home. We all want the presence of Jesus, but do we want the authority of Jesus? We want the blessings of Jesus in our home, but do we accept the authority of Jesus in our home? There's a big, big difference in that. Nobody rejects blessing. Many of us reject authority. We don't like authority. We don't like what God's word says, so we just dismiss it and say, no, I'll be the authority. But game changers invite Jesus into their home. That's the first thing. It's interesting, too, that when Jesus is invited into your home, transformation takes place. We can look at different accounts of this story in the gospel. In Matthew's gospel, we see that Jesus touched The mother-in-law, she was healed. In Luke's gospel, we see that he just speaks to the mother-in-law, and she's healed. But all three of these accounts basically just tell us about the divine authority of Jesus. And you know what the thing is? When you invite the divine authority of Jesus into your home, it's personal. It's not religious. It's personal. Look at what Jesus did here. I want to tell you this. It says Jesus went to her. Jesus took her hand. Jesus helped her up. Three times, Jesus went to her. It was personal. When you invite Jesus into your home, it has to be personal, or it's not authentic. So he invites, they invite Jesus into the home. It says he heals the woman. He just didn't heal her to heal her. He healed her with a purpose, and that purpose was so that she could serve him. It said that she got up and began to wait on them. Now, here's a point I don't want us to miss. This woman was ill. She had a fever. She wasn't doing well. We don't know how ill she was, but we know she was ill enough that she couldn't fulfill her responsibilities of preparing the post-Sabbath meal. She probably wasn't even in worship that morning if Peter or Simon and Andrew said to Jesus, come over. So she missed worship. She didn't prepare for the post-worship meal. So we can surmise she was pretty sick. Things weren't good. She was struggling, and yet God used her struggle, her pain, and her fever as a way to have Jesus invited into the home. Don't miss that. Sometimes God will use our struggle and our pain and our suffering as a way to have Jesus invited into our home. What struggle are you going through? Where's your suffering? Where's your pain? Is is God using that somehow to invite you to have Jesus invited into your home? His divine authority coming into your home. Sometimes God uses the pain that we go through so that we can see who he truly is. And so this, this woman was ill and she went from having a fever to feverishly serving the Lord. She went from suffering to serving, and she was, it says it was that she was strengthened. See, that when we invite Jesus and his authority into our home, there's transformation. Our lives are changed. Our relationships are changed. Our purpose is changed. So many people say, I don't know what my purpose is. I'm just going through the motions. I get up, I go to work, I come home, I eat, I go to bed, repeat, repeat, repeat. See, when you invite Jesus into your home, your job is no longer your job, it's your mission field. Everything that you do, you do for the Lord. You don't do for your company or for your paycheck. See, when you invite Jesus in, there is transformation on the inside. Hearts are changed. This woman's purpose was changed. It was now to serve Christ. Jesus raised her up for a purpose. He has raised you and I up for a purpose. And here's the really cool thing. Jesus doesn't need a big place to be invited into. Jesus would have gone into all those crazy houses that we've seen. Jesus will go into a tiny house. Jesus will go into a crack house. Jesus will go in anywhere that he is invited. But we must invite him in. And we see that he's invited into this fisherman's home, which would not have been a very fancy home. And remember, there were two brothers and a family and a mother-in-law. There are a lot of people in this home. But the power of Jesus' divine authority to transform lives, it could be in a synagogue, it could be in a small house, side of the road, in a bathroom, in a bar. When Jesus and his divine authority is invited in, it changes who we are. It changes our purpose. That's a game changer. When we read this text, it's easy to say, oh, well, Simon and Andrew, they're the game changers. They're the ones who who partner with Jesus. Yes, but you know who really is? It's the mother-in-law. It's the mother-in-law. She's the game changer because Jesus changed her And then she began to serve. And what she was doing was showing that to be a follower of Christ, it's about serving Christ. That's the game-changing moment. She is helping others realize that Christ is the Messiah. He's not just a, a healer. He's a redeemer. So we have to invite Jesus into our home, and then transformation begins. And it's amazing what happens when we let our homes be a place for ministry. It's amazing. See, when we open our homes as a place for ministry and invite Jesus in, God will start to transform our lives. He'll start to transform the lives of those around us. But we have to invite him into our home and then open our home and say, my house is the Lord's house. My house is here for God's work, not for my pleasure, not for my comfort, not for my convenience, but my home that God gave me the funds to buy, to rent, to own. That home is for God. And I'm going to use, I'm going to invite Jesus in. And I'm going to let them transform me and transform anybody that's in my house. It's amazing. When I was in college, there were a group of us that wanted to help some really struggling inner city kids in Philadelphia. And so we decided to do something one Christmas. So we went around to all the staff and all of the faculty and, and all the students and asked them to make a donation so that we could go out and buy toys for underprivileged kids. And people were really generous, really generous. And so we went to the store, and we bought presents, and and we wrapped them, and we contacted this ministry in uh, North Philadelphia called the Light of Hope Mission. And so as as we got there, and some were dressed as Santa, some were dressed as elves, and we had all kinds of things, and and we came up, and we looked at the address, and it's an old, broken-down brownstone, not in a really good part of town. You knock on the door, and this wonderful older lady opens and invites us in, And her living room wasn't a living room like you and I. There wasn't a TV, there wasn't a couch, there wasn't an Xbox. There were pews. She had three pews in her very tiny living room, and she had a little table up front that I know was used for communion. Her house was a place that local kids and families would come, and they would have worship there, and they would praise God, and they would offer prayer requests. And all of these kids came and, and we started handing out the presents to these kids and, and candy canes and you thought that we were giving out gold bars and they were just overwhelmed by what they received that somebody cared enough to give them a Christmas present. And I'll never forget this wonderful lady when she addressed all of us and she said you know what you guys did today it changed these kids lives because they never knew that people loved them enough to give them a Christmas present. And all these years later you know what It wasn't us that was the game changer. She opened her home. She was the one that God partnered with to change their lives. We got to come along for the ride. She opened her home for ministry. And God used it in the most incredible way. Kids came and heard the gospel. And they were loved. And they found hope. And some of those kids today are changed and transformed. Because this little lady, she just opened her home. She didn't have a theological degree. She wasn't a professional singer. She was just a woman who loved Jesus and said, My home, no matter how small, no matter what neighborhood, it will be a home that's used for the Lord. See, we have to get to a place where Joshua was. Remember Joshua when he took over from Moses? He kind of had a what I call a come to Jesus moment. Where he gathered all the Israelites. He said, Look, y'all, this is how it's gonna be. God brought us out of slavery. He parted the Red Sea. He brought us into the promised land. So let me make this clear to all of you. This is what Joshua says. He says, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your forefathers served before the river or the gods of the Amorites whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says, I know about you guys. You can go worship those false gods. That's not what we're doing at my house. It says at my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, let me ask you this. How many of us have that scripture somewhere in our house or have been in a house that has that? It says it on the wall, but are we actually using our houses for ministry? That's the challenge. That's the challenge. We need to invite Jesus into our home and say, my home is a home for ministry. My house will serve the Lord, not just me physically, but my physical house will be a place where people can come. We all want our house to be that house. If, if, you're, if you're a parent or a grandparent, like you want your house to be the house that all the kids come, right? You know, the house that kids come before, uh, before a football game or after a football game or after school or, or for parties. You, you, you want to do everything you can to make your house that house that kids can come to. We're no different. You know, we want, we want the kids to come to our house. You can see them. You can love them, get to know their friends. You know, you want this to be that place. What if we said we want our house to be the house where people come to know Jesus? We said, I want my house to be so clearly defined as a house where Jesus lives and has been invited in and emanates from. Because everybody in town knew what was going on at Simon's house, because it says, after the darkness. See, the Sabbath was sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. So after the Sabbath, it said that everybody started bringing their sick and demon-possessed family and friends there. And I love this phrase. It says, they gathered at the door. Man, I love that phrase. We got to do a ministry called gathering at the door. I love that phrase. It said that everyone gathered at the door, which means everybody in town said, something's going on out of that house. People are getting healed. People are getting saved. Transformation is going on. I got to get to that house. There's something in that house that I want in my house. And it said that people camped out because they knew that was the house. That was the house. It was a house of hope. It was a house of healing. It was a house of prayer. It was a house of praise. It was a house of Jesus. See, game changers know that they can make a home where people gather at the door. They gather at the door of hope. They gather at the door of healing. Joshua said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If we want to be a game changer, that's got to be more than just a scripture verse or a writing on the wall. We have got to be a place where people say, I'm going to gather at the door of that house. Now, I want to share with you the two most dangerous words in the English language, particularly within the church. What if? Those are scary words. But what if, what if everybody here and everybody listening online looked at their home as the church? Instead of saying, oh, this space is our church. What if everybody looked at their individual home as the church? A place where Jesus was invited in. A place where people could see the transformation because we were serving Christ. We were praising God. What if? Everybody said, my house is going to serve the Lord. What if we were going to invite people in so that they can see the divine authority of Jesus Christ? What if every person said, my house is the church? Because the church is not a building. It's not a gym and it's not an elaborate building. The church is us. That's who the church is. And the great thing is, you can have people to your home and it's free. It's free. The church is supposed to be mobile and agile. Read scripture. There were no mega churches. They didn't have buildings. They had homes. Game changers look at their home as a place of ministry. Game changers invite Jesus in and say, Lord, your divine authority is greater than mine. Use this home, Lord, for your glory. Sometimes we like to be glorified by our homes. Look, I work on my lawn as much as anybody. And I try to cut those weeds every week and make sure they're good. I'm out there watering my lawn. My wife is out there watering my because we want our house to look good. We want people to say, that's such a pretty house. We planted flowers outside our house. We want it to look nice, and that's awesome. But does it matter what it looks like on the outside, or does it matter what's going on on the inside? We have to use our homes as a place of ministry. That's what game changers do. And do you know that it says that Jesus healed everybody that was brought, and they kept coming and coming and coming and coming. See, we're a church, but we gotta, we gotta make a difference. And look, it's awesome. We want people to come on Sunday. Don't get me wrong, really want people to come on Sunday. But if that's all we're trying to do, then we're missing the point of being the church, right? We, we we want people's lives to be transformed by the divine authority of Jesus Christ in their lives. So how do we do? This? Let's let's think practical, right? Say that's great, but how do I do this? Well, here's here's we mentioned it earlier. Be in a life group. Be in a life group. Go deeper with people. Be in a life group. Or you know what? Host a life group. Open your home. We're gonna have sign ups at the end of the month, and you know what? We'll train you. It's not hard. It's facilitating a conversation. That's all that it is. You say, well, I can't do it. Yes, you can. You can do one of two things. You can either gather at the door, or you can be the one that has the door. Gathering at the door says, I'm going to go to a life group because I want to go deeper. I really want to live for Christ. Or you can say, I'm going to open my home. And I'm just going to say, Lord, fill it with whom you want. Let them know that our home is a place of ministry, not mystery. Do you ever have those neighbors where you're like, I don't know what's going on with them people, man. I kind of see them. I don't. The garage goes up. The garage goes up. I don't know what their house is all about. We don't want people to look at our homes and say, I don't, I don't know what they're about. They should say, that's how those people go to church. Those people are the church. They love Jesus, man. They, they always got something going on. They got cars in their house. They're meeting. They're praising. That's something I want to be a part of. People are changed by relationship. They're not changed by a sermon. They're changed by a relationship. And each of us has a home that we can use as ministry. So I want to encourage you. Be a game changer. Invite Jesus into your home and say, Lord, use my home and Lord, I submit to your divine authority. Watch the transformation happen in your home. Make your home a place where people gather at the door and watch God work. You want to see change in our community? Use your home as a place of ministry. I'm going to ask our our worship team to come back up. And and I want us to, again, just think of these three things. And, again, it's hard. These these three questions that we put every week, they are not meant to be easy. They're meant to be struggles because we want you to, to go deeper. The first question is, have you invented or have you invited or invented Jesus into your home? Look, I can tell you as somebody who invented Jesus in their home for a long time, I was good at it but there's a difference between inviting His divine authority into your home. Number two, do others look at your house as a place of ministry or mystery? Do people know, I don't know what they're up to, but I know it's something for Jesus. Because there's always people there. They're eating together, they're working together, they're worshiping together. Number three, are you willing to have people gather at the door of your house? Are you willing to say, Lord, my house, it's yours, Lord. You have blessed me to live here. Use it as you will for your glory.